Before ascending into heaven, Jesus told His apostles, You shall be My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. They were to start witnessing where they were, and then to spread the message of Christ throughout the world. And the book of Acts is the record of how they did it. The commission to be witnesses for Christ, however, was not limited to the apostles. For nearly 2,000 years, the church has recognized that the Great Commission was intended for all disciples. And that includes us. Christ expects us to be His witnesses. He expects us to share our faith with others. The question is, how do we best do it? You know, most of us aren't comfortable hitting the streets and knocking on doors. And even the Mormons are beginning to recognize that doing so is not very effective in today's world. So how can we be faithful and effective witnesses today? Well, few would question the Apostle Paul's status as one of the most effective witnesses of all time. He was faithful to his commission. And his faithful witness in less than ideal circumstances comes into sharp focus in the final chapters of the book of Acts. And while we can never hope to equal his effectiveness as a witness for Christ, we can learn from his example. And we pick up our study now in chapter 21, where by looking to Paul, we discover that a faithful witness seeks opportunities to witness. Chapter 21, 37 through 39. And as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Then you're not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness. Paul said, I'm, I'm a Jew of Tarsus in Cilicia a citizen of no insignificant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. Now, you remember the scene. Paul had been mobbed in the temple and dragged to an outer court where he was beaten with the intent to kill him. He'd just been rescued from this homicidal mob by several hundred soldiers who, who bound him in chains and carried him through the crowd, heading up the stairs to the barracks of the Roman garrison stationed in the castle of Antonia at the northwest corner of the temple property, when he speaks to the commander in Greek, may I say something to you? Now, the fact that he spoke in Greek surprised the commander. He had assumed that Paul was the Egyptian insurrectionist who had stirred up a revolt three years earlier 
resulting in the death of 400 Jews and who then just disappeared into the desert. Well, Paul assured him he wasn't that man and told him he was a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia and that he was a citizen of no insignificant city, which was a veiled reference to his Roman citizenship. He then said, I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. Now, wait a minute. Who was it he wanted to speak to? He wanted to speak to the mob that had just tried to kill him. That's unbelievable. So much so, in fact, that the liberal German theologian, Ernst Henken, has declared this story a fabrication. He writes, A man who has only just been beaten up by a fanatical mob is physically no longer uh, able, capable of making such a speech. This reason suffices to prove that the speech and the dialogue preparing for it are unhistorical. Of course, liberal theologians always reject that which is hard to believe. But it was true. Paul begged for a chance to speak to the mob that had just tried to kill him. Now, that certainly was not an opportune moment for a witness. And no one would have expected Paul to witness to that crowd. But he wanted to. And he made an inopportune moment into an opportunity. You see, a faithful witness doesn't just wait for opportunities. He creates them. He creates them. Because if you're always waiting for that perfect moment to tell someone about Jesus, it will never come. Paul made it happen. And then he proceeded to establish common ground, even with a mob. This is amazing. Let's read on. And when he had given him permission... Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand. And when there was a hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect, saying, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. And I persecuted the way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and all the council of elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. The people were dumbfounded. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. The man they had just tried to kill 
and who was being carried away to safety, wanted the soldiers to put him down so he could talk to them. When he motioned to them, a great hush fell over them. And then he began speaking to them in Aramaic, the the Hebrew dialect they used in the temple. And they listened because he spoke their language. And you know, maybe more people would listen to us when we do try to share our faith with them if we speak their language. Now, I'm not suggesting that we use profanity to be accepted as one of the boys or tell off-color stories in an attempt to build a relationship with someone. But we should be careful about using church talk outside of church. You know, it is important that we understand what is meant by salvation and justification and sanctification. But those are probably not words you'll want to toss around when trying to tell someone about Jesus. They're more likely to listen if you use words they understand and terminology they can relate to. And it's important they relate to more than just the terminology you use. They should relate to you as a person as well. And perhaps the easiest way to build that bridge is to make sure they realize you understand where they're coming from and may have even been there yourself. Now, don't pretend to be something you're not. But if there are commonalities in your life or in your past that might make them more receptive to you as a person, don't be afraid to share them. Paul made it clear to a mob of religious zealots that he too was zealous for God. He shared the religious heritage and had actually studied under one of their most respected rabbis. He even understood their desire to kill him. He used to hate Christians too. And had, in fact, hunted them down and throw them into prison. He had even had a hand in the execution of some of them. He persecuted them to the death. So he knew where they were coming from. He understood the way they felt. But something happened to him that changed everything. And once he had their ear, he said... Let me tell you about it. And it came about that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me beheld the light, to be sure. But they did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus. And there you'll be told of all that's been appointed for you to do. 
But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I looked up at him and he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. You know, Paul didn't just talk about Jesus or point to biblical passages, he told of what he had experienced with Jesus. He viewed his personal relationship with Jesus as an essential part of his witness. So much so that he will pretty much say the same thing again in chapter 26 while witnessing to King Agrippa. I was approaching Damascus around noon when a bright light appeared. And I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I responded by asking, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you're persecuting. I then asked, what shall I do? And I was told to go into Damascus and there would be told what to do. Ananias, a devout Jewish man, well spoken of by all the Jews. Now, he didn't mention he had become a Christian. Told me, the God of our fathers had appointed me to know his will. To see the righteous one. To hear an utterance from his mouth. And to become a witness to all men of what I had seen and heard. Now, be sure to notice that in the midst of his testimony, Paul got the focus off himself and onto Jesus. He made sure they knew who Jesus was. That he was a real person from a real place. He was from Nazareth. That he was the Lord. That he was the righteous one. That he was the one who could make people right with God. And then he told how he had been made right with God. How he had been changed. How he had been told to be baptized. So his sins could be washed away. Now this this was a powerful witness. Because it included all the essential facts that people needed to know. And it was personal. It was personal. Now, our personal experiences with Christ may not be as dramatic as Paul's. But we all do have experiences to share. 
If there has been no dramatic conversion in your life, just tell how He's been faithful to you all of your life. How He has blessed you and how He has kept you from sin and its consequences. You know, we all have experiences with Christ to share if we're Christians. So let's share them. Don't just share what you've been told. Share what you know. Share what you've experienced. Share your story. Not to glorify yourself, but to glorify Christ and what He's done in your life. Paul had something to share, and he shared it. Not because he wanted to necessarily, but because he was told to do so. And the faithful witness doesn't just do what he wants to do. A faithful witness obeys the Lord's command. And it came about when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in thee. And when the blood of thy witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the cloaks of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul's ministry was in response to the commands of Christ. He did what he did because Christ told him to do so. That's why he went to the Gentiles. He wanted to go to the Jews. He felt he was qualified to do so. He even tried to convince the Lord of that. But no. He was to go to the Gentiles. Didn't make sense to him, but he obeyed it. And God blessed his efforts. Because he was willing to obey. He just didn't do what he felt like doing. He did what he was told to do. And we don't witness if we feel like it. We witness because we've been commanded to do so. And God will bless us if we do what he says. Now, that's not to say everyone will like our witness. That they will respond positively to everything we have to say. The Lord had told Paul the Jews would not accept his testimony about him. And Paul knew that his current hearers wouldn't like hearing the last part of his testimony. But a faithful witness doesn't leave out the parts he knows his hearers might not like. So even a faithful witness will fail at times. And they listen to him up to this statement. 
And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. And when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And the centurion heard this. He went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman. And the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. The commander answered, I I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, But I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman because he had put him in chains. The mob really did not like Paul's final point. He talked about Gentiles and going to Gentiles. And when he started speaking about his ministry to Gentiles, and you remember... They had accused him of bringing one into the temple. They cried out and threw their cloaks on the ground and they started throwing dust in the air. They they knew they couldn't throw stones with soldiers around. The commander knew that he wouldn't get the whole story now. And so he ordered Paul into the barracks and told his soldiers to scourge him to get to the truth. Now, Paul had been whipped several times. He had been beaten with rods, but he had never been scourged. The scourge was made of leather thongs with bits of metal or bone or glass embedded in them. Seven of ten who were scourged died from it. It was time for Paul to use his trump card. Is it lawful to scourge a Roman citizen who's not been condemned? Everyone knew it was not. And that brought it to an end. He was still in chains, but not stretched out on a rack for scourging. His witness for the moment had come to an end. And even though he had done everything right, it hadn't been very successful, obviously. Not everyone is going to accept a faithful witness. We better recognize that fact. And we must be willing to risk failure to be faithful. We're not going to succeed every time we try to tell someone about Jesus. But we must witness. We must You know, as a preacher, you would assume I have lots of opportunities to witness. But to be real honest, most of the time, I'm here, preparing for what I do here. And I'm working with Christians. 
My contacts in the world over the years have, have been far less than I thought was ideal. I'm thankful that has kind of changed. Last few years, you've been hearing stories about me going to the Fit Club. And I won't tell you those embarrassing stories this morning. But I, I love the opportunities I've been given and I've created to share my faith with men and women. It's been, it's been refreshing. I look forward not only to working out for the sake of staying fit so I can keep preaching longer, but for the opportunities it gives me. Now, not everybody agrees with me. We've had some rousing debates, and I won't tell you where they take place. But it's been interesting. I had some gal come in to where it is where I came into the hot tub last week. And she says, oh, no. <laughs> it's you. Yeah. You don't like me. I said, no, I like you. Oh, well. And then she started rattling off all the stuff I don't agree with. And Well, no, I don't agree with all that. You know, we've had some interesting exchanges. I've had opportunities to, to witness to, to people who, who were just inactive in church and who now are very active in church. I had a chance to, to witness to those who are, are strong in, a, in another faith and were able to exchange thoughts openly and freely. I, I wasn't going to read Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus because O'Reilly really annoys me sometimes. And I thought, he's not the expert on Jesus, but I wasn't going to read it. And I told my son, don't buy it for me for Christmas. Well, then one of my buddies in Fit Club came and started talking about it. And I said, okay, I've got to read it. Gives me something to talk about. You know, got another guy who's who's a Baha'i. Had some interesting discussions, and I don't hesitate to say things I know they're going to disagree with. And I haven't brought them all to Christ. That's not my job. My job is to be a witness, and I'm so thankful. I'm outside the church walls at least on occasion, so I can do that. You are outside the church walls most of the time. Okay? You're in a better place to witness than I am. So are you doing it? Are you doing it? Not because you want to or you feel like it, because Christ told you to. And you've got something to share. Don't hesitate. Now, don't be obnoxious. <laughs> but just share what you know to be true. Share what you learn when we gather on Sundays. You know, I'm so delighted that, that for years you've taken notes in our worship service and you've put those notes in binders. And for the last few years, many of you read along with me as I preach. Some of you have read it before I preach it. That's awesome. But then what do you do with it? That's the question. Does it just fill up your memory banks with biblical data? Or does it give you something to share that week with someone else? You know, people used to say, you know, they go to church to get their batteries charged, you know, so they can be more, more, more faithful. Well, hopefully it's not just charging your batteries. Hopefully I'm giving you something to take out of here. So you've got something to share. Obviously, I've varied a long way off of my text if you're reading along this morning. I don't want you to miss the point. 
I wanted to say it carefully. I wanted to say it right. But now I just want to say it. Okay? We're called to be witnesses. Every one of us. We have an obligation to tell others who Jesus is. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's not wait for the perfect moment. Because the perfect moment, it'll never come. There will always be a reason to shut your mouth. Sometimes it might be legitimate. But make opportunities. Look for opportunities. Again, not to be obnoxious, but say, be ready. Be ready to share. And then establish some common ground. You don't have to be just a talking theologian who, you know, ruins everybody's party. Talk about the things that the people are talking about. You know, half the time when I'm talking to Fifth Love, I'm talking about guns. And you go, oh. And there's sometimes people walk away because I'm talking about guns, but a lot of times the guys, oh, yeah. And we, we build a connection. And then we talk about other things, a little more important than guns. I don't know what it is that, that you have in common with those in the workplace or in school or in your neighborhood, but find some things you can connect on. Again, don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't use words that you didn't normally use. And don't try to reflect some other world, holier-than-thou position before them, okay? Just relate to them. Be real. Be genuine. Talk about cars. Talk about your kids. Talk about the weather. That's fine. Okay? Build something, a relationship. And then share with them what Christ has done in your life. And again, if you have no huge story, you know, I used to, I used to feel really left out when, when people would come to the church and, and tell me of all their horrible experiences and all their past, you know, and all the drugs they used and all these horrible things they did and then how Christ changed them. And I thought, man, I don't have anything to say. You know, I was in church before I was a week old. I was going to be a preacher when I was six years old. What have I got to say? You know, I, I probably got mouthy to my mom a time or two, but that's about it. You know, what kind of testimony do I have? And then I thought, wow, why don't I share how good God has been to me and how He's blessed me and how He's spared me from all the pain that I see in other lives who didn't know Him and grow up with Him. That's a great testimony, too. Whatever it is Christ has done in your life, feel free to share it. Not because you're trying to glorify yourself, but because you want people to know what Jesus can do and who He is. And don't hesitate to tell them how they, too, can become a beneficiary of His grace. How the offer to be cleansed and washed clean and brought into the kingdom is for them as well. And tell them how to do it. Tell them how you, you were baptized into Christ and why it's important. Don't be afraid to say things you're going to disagree with. Don't, be, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Now, we've got to be willing to share our faith. We've got to be obedient to Christ if we're going to do the job we've been set out to do. And if we'll do it, I think Christ will be honored. Whether we succeed or not, Christ will be honored. We're not going to win everyone. But we will win some. We will win some. We'll probably never know how many. 
Because we plant a little seed here, we water somebody else's seed there. We're not keeping score. We don't have a book of all of our conversions. You know, we don't put notches on our gospel gun when we blow someone into the kingdom. You know, that was a bad illustration. You know, but someday, someday, when we're gathered around the throne of God, won't that be awesome? To have someone come up to you and say, wow, I get to meet you again. You know, you don't remember what you said, but it made a difference. Don't you want to hear that? Do you want to hear that? Yeah, yeah. I can think of nothing better to hear. Well, other than the Lord saying, well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We have a story to tell. The song says we have a story to tell to the nations, and that's true. But our story doesn't just go out. I mean, we're privileged as a church to be telling the story in many nations. But we're also telling it to our neighbor. Okay? And uh, i got to warn you, I've changed a couple words in here. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm a nitpicker when it comes to theology, and I've changed a word or two, so just follow the words. I think it's truer. But we have a story to tell. Let's stand and sing it.